Welcome to the Heat of Command podcast, Mastering the Art of Fire Service Leadership. Where we, your hosts, aim to teach you how to use introspection and self-reflection to be your most authentic, genuine self, leader, and human being. And now, here are your hosts. This is Kyle Matusik. And Carrie Henderson. Thanks for joining. Welcome back to our final generation, Generation Alpha our kiddos today. You know, I'm really excited to talk about this, Carrie, and, and it's really, I'm curious to see how we're messing our kids up today. <laughs> you know, and we're going to see the results in 10, 20 years and be like, ah, we should have done things a little bit different. And, uh, uh, but it's kind of fun and interesting to talk about where we're at as parents raising our kids and kind of what we're seeing in the world that they're growing up in and how that could potentially you know, affect them and, and how they have to be led and motivated and empowered. And, you know, what they see is their main values compared to other generations. So it's kind of interesting to talk about uh, this generation from our point of view. And, you know, in 20 years, we listen back to this and we're like, wow, yep, that's what we got wrong. <laughs> yeah. What will our kids tell their therapists in 15 years <laughs> or however long it takes them to get there? Yeah, but, but if, you know what? For them, it'll probably be normal. Everyone will go to a therapist. It'll just be part of life, and like going to the doctor. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I don't think that's a that's a bad thing. I think that's a no. good thing, and it's uh, it's just so interesting, you know, to to have taken this journey that we have taken through each generation, and and now this is this is where we're at talking about our kids, and you know, I think one of the biggest things is me and you have hit on and, you know, our biggest thing is, is looking within and, you know, what, what, what have we done and, and how do we want to grow as leaders? And, you know, in 20 years, when we realize the mistakes we made as parents, I think it's going to be easy for us to take accountability for that. You know, and I think that's a stark difference than, you know, some things that we've may have experienced in the past, you know, with older generations and, you know, maybe my parents' generation or my wife's parents' generation just being so hard nosed that, well, we did the, you know, we did the best we could and it is this way and I had to go through it. So you had to go through it and like the not having that accountability, you know? Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's just very interesting, you know, to really look at it the way we've looked at it over these last few episodes. And uh, this is kind of where we're at and how, that introspective outlook is just so important when we're just dealing with people. Yeah, it really is. I can remember when I was little, and my mom was is an incredibly empathetic, compassionate person. Um, and she thinks of others just all the time. And and my dad was really a tough, tough guy. And I can remember him telling her when when I was little, like, you let her get away with everything. And, you know, she... <laughs> you don't ever get on to her and you're never hard on her and stuff like that. But yeah, my dad was that definitely that baby boomer stereotypical. If there was one uh, hard nose and he had it tough from his parents. So we were going to have it tough if he had anything to do with it. But luckily uh, mom mostly raised us. So we <laughs> were raised with a softer touch. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, it's just crazy how it's all progressed. And, you know, as, as, we, you know, our, our parents and, you know, you, you almost see the mistakes that your parents made growing up, just like our kids are going to see the mistakes that we made uh, as they grew up. And like, you don't want to relive those mistakes, but it's like that balance of, well, we can't go too far this way because then it's, you know, we still have to create, uh, you know, um, and build people to be 
productive parts of society, you know, in, in their future. So it's like this balance and, and how do we do it? And, you know, we're shooting from the hip, you know, that's what we're doing <laughs> and, you know, we're trying and, and it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's very interesting. You know, there's a quote and maybe we could just chat on this a little bit and I've seen it come up a lot lately. Uh, and, and I find it very interesting. I forgot exactly who said the quote, but he said, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men and weak men create hard times. And I've seen this quote a lot recently and somebody, and it usually says we are here. We're at the point where good times are creating weak men, you know? And it's like, I don't know, maybe we are. And then it gets, you know, we turn around and it's like, how do we build warriors in our kids, you know, and and build them up so they can, even though we have better times than it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago, you know, the depression and all the stuff that we've talked about going through each generation and, Everyone has their own challenges, but how do we continue to build warriors, I think, is the question when we are especially looking at Gen Alpha. Like, how do we create warriors even in better times than history has afforded us? Yeah, and we've talked about it before. Like, I really, really want to instill resiliency in Nicholas, you know, and that kind of correlates to this is I want him to be soft and empathetic, but I want to be him to be incredibly resilient. So I did a little research today on Gen Alpha, um, just because, you know, just from my perspective, I just know what it's like living with an 11-year-old boy. And this generation, you know, it's not in the workplace yet, but the older, you know, kids in this generation will be entering their first part-time jobs here in the next two, three, four years. This generation, um, it depends on where you look, but anywhere from being born the year 2010, some say 2012, and still being born. So this generation is certainly being still being shaped and and we won't know all of what their lives will experience for for many years, but it's shaping up to be probably maybe one of the big biggest generations in history. They may even um, supersede the baby boomers, which is interesting to me. I didn't I learned that today. Uh, they're the They've been dubbed so far the iPad kids because they came out. They they came out. <laughs> they were born <laughs> after the iPad, With an iPad came out. Hand, right? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So we said that Gen Z was a completely digital generation, but gosh, Gen Alpha even more so. Connected in every way possible, and not just. I think the difference may be that Gen Z was was connected and on social media a lot, but connected to probably a closer circle, like their network, their friends and family that they're friends with um, on social media where apps like TikTok and whatever else is out there that I don't know about yet, they're globally connected. So they're seeing political and social stuff from around the world that they, I think previous generations weren't exposed to and our kiddos will probably be a whole lot more sympathetic to um, and culturally aware than anybody ever has been. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're, we're still going to see a lot of the impacts of the pandemic on, on Gen Alpha, you know, especially those, uh, you know, the older Gen Alphas right now, uh, you know, they were 10 years old, 12 years old when that happened. So, you know, the iPad generate, I mean, they went to school on that for, you know, how many years, depending on what part of the country you're at and socially, you know, uh, some growth needs to happen there. And, uh, 
but you also understand like why they are the way they are uh, because of that, you know, and how is that going to shape them when they're entering the workplace in 10 years, you know, and that's the questions we need to start examining now. So we don't end up in this recruitment retention issue in many industries, not just the fire service. It's, it's how do we start developing these strategies now and putting people in leadership roles that are going to solve this problem now. So when that generation is entering the workforce, it's not even an issue. We're already attracting them. Yeah. And you mentioned that socially, it probably stunted them. Um, they're trying to have make relationships and, and build friendships over a computer, especially those that you know, kindergarten first graders when COVID hit. My son was in second grade when when COVID hit and and most of third grade was was virtual, but not just social, their ed, their education. And when you look at their benchmarks for math and reading, they are behind. Yeah. Even kids that had great support systems at home are behind. And think about the kids that didn't. Think about kids, even kids parents that wanted to be a great support system but had to work still, you know, and all parents these everybody's at home or and trying to work from home. And then there's parents that didn't work from home and they're trying to get somebody to come into their home to help their kid with virtual learning. But most of these kiddos are behind on benchmarks. And so do they ever catch up? You know, it's it'll be interesting. Yeah, that will be interesting. And you look at the work that, I mean, fortunately for us, our kids were like preschool and kindergarten. So I don't think the the pandemic's going to have that much of an effect on our kids if they even remember it. It's like, what event are they going to start remembering, you know, at what point in, in their lives and how is that going to shape them? Uh, but yet you look at some of the schoolwork that was going home and you're like, what is this? <laughs> how am I going to teach them? I don't even know, <laughs> you know, and it's like, this is how they're teaching math now. That's not how I did it. You know, this is what we did. <laughs> and it's just just how it's evolved. And then the expectation on the parents to teach it. And it was just, it was kind of a mess, you know, and, and do we catch up? I, I don't, you know, I don't know if we do. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Now, they are probably very digitally savvy. Oh, you yeah. know, my kid can do Zoom and Canvas and whatever LMS is out there, he can navigate like nobody's business. He, his handwriting, he can't write because they didn't write during COVID. They didn't have to submit anything with handwriting. So he's in middle school and his handwriting is atrocious, like terrible. Like, uh, that's all okay. right. <laughs> Coming from another person who has terrible handwriting. <laughs> oh, mine's not great, but mine is definitely not great. Let's see what else. Um, about these alphas. Oh, and uh, something else I learned today, AI in their world. I was going to bring that up. Oh, there you go. No. Uh, AI. So they can use AI in school. Like they can use chat GBT and, you know, for they can't use it to write their papers, obviously, but they can use it to create all kinds of stuff. And so the lines between like real and a artificial is so blurred for them. And it, I don't even know how to how that's going to look. Right, it's so crazy to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, even I mean, we've touched on it a little bit just with some of our social media and stuff. And you're like, whoa, there's stuff out there that does this for you, you know. And it's it's nice how it works, but you know, it, and at what cost is that going to be? And and you know, are we, are we going to continue to teach or, you know, and that's the thing we got to look at as this generation starts getting into the workforce and what they were taught and what they utilized. And then it's like, all right, how do we utilize that? Even though we know nothing about AI, it's again about meeting people where they're at because that's their strength, not ours. And I worry, my kid is super creative. It's just, that is one of his really, one of his strengths. And I think it's so cool how his brain 
works. But I worry like for AI, does that strip some of that creativity? Because they can get on there and ask it to make anything or write anything where, you know, if I'm writing something and it's going out into the world, I'm there, you know, I think about it and I'm, you know, want to say the right words and make it flow. And they can ask ChatGPT or whatever platform, there's lots of them out there that'll do it, to write them a social media post about, you know, whatever they want. And it's, it comes out beautifully eloquent and all of this. It's like, does it, does some of, do they lose creativity because of it? I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Because service, I, you know, and what, what made me think about that is the fire service is benefits so much from very creative people. That's how we get change in the fire service. And that's how we come up with unique solutions on really challenging calls. Like, have you ever been on a call and somebody comes up with something really out of the box and you're like, that is the only way to fix this. Yeah. And it's, I think creative people are so needed in the fire service. And I worry, like, don't let that go away. Yeah, it's almost like that creativity uh, builds on critical thinking, right? Yeah. And and if we're allowing AI to do all that for us, what is that going to look like in 10, 15 years, 20 years, even when these people are in leadership roles and they never had that critical thinking creativity set of their mind working because there were programs that did it all for them, you know? I always like to say I think they are the most hydrated generation. Yeah, <laughs> My kids can't go anywhere without their water bottles. <laughs> yes, I think we, I think we, I don't remember, I was talking about it with you on here about you know, I didn't drink water till I was like 30 and any water I drank before that came out of the garden hose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't, haven't seen this with my kiddo yet, but I've read this online before that our kids are going to be, and it, you know, there's, this is all over the political fence, but our kids are going to be really concerned with a lot of social and political and uh, issues like climate change, and they they feel like it's their responsibility to change it. And I think that's that's going to be interesting to see. Do the generations clash as some of that starts to come out? So, um, another thing I was thinking about was when I was when my kiddo was in elementary school, I was in the PTA, and so I was in the school a lot. And there was a lot of uproar in our community about social emotional learning at school and that some parents don't don't want that to be introduced during school that it's not the place and you know there's various ends of the spectrum spectrum of what social emotional learning looks like and I am by no means an expert or an educator but I think some of it our kids are going to come out of school I think really emotionally aware I think they're going to come out with a lot of emotional intelligence if it's done right, which sets them up really well for the workplace. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and you know, we're seeing that in, in our school system. And, I, you know, it is one of those things that you're like, well, what, whose responsibility is that? You know, it's a public school system and, and I understand it. And it's like at what level? But, you know, right now it's almost just awareness. Like, how are you feeling? And what is that? 
that's it. Like, it's not like therapy where they're digging in on these kids and like, why are you feeling that way? And blah, blah, blah. But there's like no shame behind it. Like, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be happy, you know, and and that's kind of just being aware of what emotions are. And I think that's extremely valuable, right? I mean, again, if we want to create warriors, that's where we have to start is they understand what they're feeling and why they're feeling that way. And that it's okay to feel that way because going through school for me, forget about it. Like, that's the last thing. We, we didn't talk about emotions or feelings or nothing in school. It was just to, to work, right? And we were learning about this, this, and, and that. So I think there's a lot of value behind it. And if you get kids coming out of school that are more emotionally intelligent, I think that definitely builds uh, uh, stronger personalities and ready to, to enter the workforce. But at, at the same token, you know, you, you quickly mentioned, is that going to cause a rift between different generations? Because, you know, if you have somebody who's so emotionally intelligent and then the other side that's not, like there's going to be a clash there just based on that simple, those simple facts. So again, as senior people within the industries, it's understanding this stuff like, hey, they're, they're going to come in with some strengths that you don't have and that's okay, you know, and how can we learn from each other, meeting them where they're at, and, you know, it should be we're all helping each other build on those things that, that we bring to the table. Yeah. And I, we talked about it at Teeks at, you know, our kids are going to be so comfortable talking about stuff that right now a, lo- a lot of us are uncomfortable because we've never had to talk about it. We've never had to think about it. So you know, we had the discussion at Teeks about, you know, if you're not comfortable with pronouns and asking people what their pronouns are or calling someone by a pronoun that maybe you wouldn't have called them by our kids. That's, that's probably, I'm, I'm guessing not going to be an issue to them They're That's so they're going to come in expecting different things. And I think it'll be interesting in the workplace and, and not, not just like at our schools, they don't just talk about their own feelings. There's a lot of awareness of how other people are feeling. So there's, you know, Right in middle school, and I, I didn't, I didn't expect this in middle school. This week they did Kindness Week, which we did that in elementary school, and they had a pep rally at the end of the week for Kindness Week. And I haven't talked to my kiddo yet to see how that went, but so. Yeah, you know, it's it's cool to see, you know, living and learning, and and what we can apply, and what's going to work, and what's not going to work, and you know, that's all we can do, and and to try and but just stay on a progressive route on how we're again we're going to continue to build. Uh, this generation and understand uh, what they're going to end up bringing into the workforce, I think is, is the most important thing, you know, just evaluating them and looking, looking at ourselves to understand, like we all got stories where, where are they coming from and how do I meet them? There is the question when they're entering the workforce. And I had a conversation with someone earlier this week and we, I've said this before, and I, I think it's important to say it almost every every time we talk about stuff like this because it does really come across and if you did if you use it in the wrong way it is it can be too soft it can you can make you can swing this the other direction where it's all about you know feelings which that is a big component of it but once you've addressed the feelings and the emotions behind decisions and gotten all of that out of the way you can still be tough on people. Yes. You can still have very high expectations, really hard conversations with people. You can still terminate people. You can still discipline people. And you can still 
hold them to a level of expectation that is very, very high. And I think learning all of this stuff and taking all of taking the time to take all this stuff into consideration allows you to do that in a way that's that's doable, that you can actually make that happen. But I, I had a com- good, really good conversation with someone the other day about, you know, they're somebody is having a hard time getting someone to do something they want them to do. And it's like, well, have you done all the things? Have you, you know, why are they making that decision? Why is that behavior? Have you set your expectation? Have you, you know, gone over it? Okay, well, now it's time to move on to the next part of this process, which, you know, it may be progressive discipline and that's okay. But, you know, it's some people forget that this isn't just, this isn't all of it. Right. Yeah. It's just part of it. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't think I, I couldn't have said it any better than you did. You know, I, I think you hit it right on the head and it's looking at our kids and, you know, for, for my wife and I, it's like, okay, how do we set this up? And, you know, there, there've been times where you know, recently I was looking at, you know, other jobs and moving places and going, go, you know, leaving Illinois and stuff. But like my wife and I sat down and talked and we have our kids, you know, one rides horses, the others in dance, but their coaches are people that they have that strictness about them. And it's like, we can't like, that's hard to find. Like they do it so well. Um, and they're tough on them. And I don't, yeah, they're seven and eight years old, but they have tough, positive influences in their life besides mom and dad. And it's like, we can't, how do you leave that? You know, because that's exactly what you want. You need that toughness in there, not just for mom and dad. Cause you know, a lot of times that comes off as us just being mean, but you know, when they respect an outsider and they're getting it from them too, it's like, okay, this is good. We, we, this is a positive thing. And it's that balance, right? It's that constant balance of not being too soft and not being soft enough. I, you know, for lack of better words, like, like what you were saying, cause we can go the other way. So it's like, how do we continually balance this? You know, and it's always this constant evaluation of who's coming in our industry. How are we leading them? And what do I need to change? And it's a constant thing. You know, it's, it's, I can't get somewhere as, you know, if you're a blue shirt firefighter, a company officer, a chief officer, whatever, you can't just get somewhere. This is how I'm going to do it for everybody from here on out. Like, no, it, no, you can't do that. And it's just, just this constant evaluation. I think this season, as we're wrapping it up, like really exemplified that, like how we have to just constantly evaluate our people coming in. Um, and not only that, you know, people change through their careers and through their lives, you know, and I think personal growth is so important. And I think in our industry, we just don't see it a lot. I think people do find this comfort of who they are and they stay there their entire career, their entire lives. And there's like no personal growth. And it's really, how do we harness that personal growth, give people room for that growth and still hold them accountable and held this standard and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just creating this atmosphere as leaders within an in industry and in in life, it's just that constant evaluation, which is not easy to do, right? I mean, that is very hard to do because you got to bite your lip sometimes and you got to meet people where they're at, even if you don't agree. But if your end goal is to get them to a certain point, like, hey, it's us taking the first step. Yeah, I I heard, this has been a while, but I heard a, a leader in a department one time say that, well, I treat everyone the same because that's the only fair way to do it. I'm like, well, no, that's not fair. Like, I, right. I need you to be somebody. I need you to do some some things a little different for me. And I need, you know, same for everyone here. Like, 
Yeah. And it's just like, you know, if you're on a, you know, and I think this is where in our industry, it portrays in a lot of different arenas, right? When you're on an emergency scene, right? You are constantly evaluating that scene as an incident commander, as a division chief, as a company officer. You're constantly evaluating, looking for change. And we do it so well on the emergency scene. So well, right? Something changes, we adapt. Something else changes, we adapt. And we're so good at that. But to ask to do that in the firehouse, it's like, hold on, we can't do that. (laughs) This is who I am. And I have to say this way. It's like, no, you do it so well out there. Now bring it into the firehouse and do that same exact thing. Constantly evaluate, constantly change, because that's what your young people, they, they, they want it. They want and they strive for that. Yeah. Yeah, well... This has been a really fun season. I've, I we I'd hoped to have uh, I have a friend that's a school counselor in an elementary school, and I really wanted to pick her brain to see what she's like. What do you see in in the walls of of, of the elementary school, and what do our what do we have hope for, and what is going to be scary with our kiddos? But she uh, she was going out of town today, so she couldn't join us. But maybe one day we'll scoop her up and bring her on. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. To always get that outside perspective, you know, and and it's like, where am I messing up as a parent right now? Could you tell me? I'll take notes, <laughs> you know, just so we don't. And yeah, I you know, I think uh, uh, this season just, I think the biggest takeaway for me as we looked at all these different generations is we need to stop, <laughs> right, talking about the generations and the differences and, and all that. And I think it, the conversation needs to be more about why people are the way they are. It doesn't matter what generation they're from. But as leaders, it's learning who your people are so you can lead them appropriately and meet them where they're at. Like, I am a big believer that as a, a, a person in a leadership role— any industry, any part of life, any social club, whatever, I believe that it's your job to take that first step. Like you have to meet, especially the younger people and even the older people, you have to meet them where they're at. And then it's like you're almost fishing, right? You throw that line out there, you go meet them where they're at, and then you start reeling them in. And the goal is for them to learn who they really are, right? That truest identity of why you are the way you are, right? What events made you that way? And then understanding like, hey, it doesn't have to be that way if you don't want it to. And that's, you know, further down the line where, you know, potentially therapy could come in, et cetera, uh, and all that stuff. But I think like that's the goal. We have to take that first step and do that constant evaluation of people and understand why they are the way they are. I mean, that is what empathy is, right? So it's no more talking about every generation and why they are the way they are you know, it's important to understand that on kind of this general level, but there's so much more behind that, that you have to do the work on. Like you, we could tell you, yeah, Gen Z is all about this, this, but the reality is, as we learned, uh, many Gen Zers or Gen Xers aren't the way they, they didn't go under that umbrella of the generalities we spoke about. So understanding your people and having that empathy for them. Yeah. And I think for me, the coolest part of all this was learning what went on during all of their while they were growing up and and what may shape them it was that was just kind of from a historical perspective interesting like what they were exposed to and what happened in each generation's lifetime that may or may not have an influence on them it was just more of an awareness thing and now knowing that almost everyone we interviewed had a lot of qualities outside of their generation. And now it's even more important to me to learn individually 
So we talked to those the the Gen Zs, and all three of them mentioned the pandemic as a as a big part of their life. But they all three had kind of a different perspective on what that meant to them. Yeah. So it was it was cool to learn that that was something that shaped their entire generation, but it shaped them all differently. So yeah, and that's uh, like that's. It, it, yeah, this season was really educational for me, like taking away a lot and learning like, wow, you know, even we were wrong in a lot of things thinking that it's all just generation stuff. And and it's, it comes down to, uh, you know, meeting people where they're at. And, you know, I've said it numerous times, but how, do, you know, and then it's like, how do you actually do that? You know, this stuff isn't easy. The stuff that, you know, me and you talk about, like, how do you take that first step and meet someone where they're at? when you've lived this life that it's always been this way, you know, and especially in our generation, everything's very logical. It's very black and white. And I went through it. So you have to go through it. I'm senior. So you have to listen to me. Like, it's always been like, boom, boom, boom. And it's like, okay, we have to stop that. And how do we start learning to be our authentic selves? Right. And I think that's where it starts. Like, what is your truest identity? And I think the purpose you know, listening over our last season, like, what can we take away from this is, well, first of all, learn who you are, like what events happen in your life and cause you to be a certain way. And then once you understand that, it's like, okay, now I can start learning what that empathy looks like for others. And now I can start meeting people where they're at, because I understand my story, and why I am the way that I am. And I don't expect people to know my story. I have to meet them there first, and then I'm going to share with them what I've learned. And so they don't have to make the same mistakes. And then this is like how we constantly stay progressive, you know, and, and keep building as a civilization, you know, not just as an industry, but how we keep building and making every generation that's coming after us better than us, because they should be, right? Every generation after us should be better than us. The the Gen Zers and the Gen Alphas should be better firefighters than us. They should be. And, and we if should the, want them to be. And yeah. And if we don't, then we are the problem. Like point blank, <laughs> you are the, the problem if you don't. And if you don't have that expectation, then you are part of the problem. Um, so it's, it's just changing that mentality. But as me and you talk about, it comes back to you and your introspective outlook to become your authentic self, you know, and that's the stuff that, that we're constantly preaching and talking about. And, um, yeah, it gets me kind of fired up. This season got, you know, this season I, I didn't think was going to like kind of affect me the way it did. But as we continue to talk, man, you just start looking at it and thinking just so differently. And it's been it's been pretty awesome for me. Yeah, it gets me excited because I, I I just love the new generations. I love Gen Z. Yeah, you know, it's you initially it's always like, oh, these new these new people coming into the industry, blah, blah. And because it's what you can't, you know, it's what I came into and these new people are this, that. And it's like, now it's like, after we've gone through this, this season and me and you continue to talk more and collaborate more, it's like, wow, I can look at things completely differently and have that excitement for the future. Uh, you know, and as we rid of some of the historical problems within our industry, like, okay, time to move on from that, draw the line in the sand, we're done with that. Uh, and this is where our focus should be. And, you know, I, I'd be the first to admit that I struggle a lot with that, especially my current situation. You know, it's a, it's a very challenging uh, spot for me to be in, but it's like, how do we get, you know, how do I uh, have that internal motivation to really start looking and, and building our young people, you know, and 
kind of blocking out the negativities and the things that have negatively affected me, you know, within our industry and, and, um, like how to block that out and not let that affect me and focus, you know, on the younger people coming up. Cause that's what matters. Yeah, it does. Well, this, I guess will be the end of this season. And Kyle and I were talking before we hit record. So our listeners know we may not do seasons anymore. We may just do episodes so that we can just keep rolling on with kind of whatever is the next thing on our brains. Yeah, sometimes I like that because sometimes it's like an idea pops and you're like, all right, I'm writing it down and this is when we'll get to it. And now it's like, all right, idea, let's, this is what we're doing. <laughs> you know, we could get it out there right away. So uh, yeah, next week's big week for us. Uh, let's see, this will air Monday. Monday, I land in, in Virginia and we speak on Tuesday and Thursday next week, right? Or this week, Thursday, Tuesday and Thursday this week at the Virginia Fire Rescue Conference. So that's exciting. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm really excited. So Tuesday we'll present for the Women in Fire and EMS uh, Day at the Virginia Fire Rescue Conference, which is sponsored by the Virginia Fire Chiefs Association. Association. And Thursday we have back-to-back sessions, 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. And we're going to record an episode either Wednesday or Thursday. So we'll get that out to you guys. Maybe we'll we'll probably go live from. Facebook, I'm guessing. Do some Facebook Live, do yeah. some Reels over there too. Yeah. And so. then uh, what's after that? Then you got FDIC. When's that? When are you speaking there? Uh, I fly out April 14th, which is my birthday. And I will be there the 14th through the 20th. And I speak twice that week as well. So I speak, they have a women, a women's women in fire day as well. So I will speak there Monday, the 15th, and then Thursday, the whatever day that is, I'll speak at the regular conference Thursday with a cardboard cutout of Kyle. <laughs> you stole Since, my idea. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because I got uh, that exciting opportunity to do the morning keynote for the Fire Service Women of Illinois uh, Leadership Symposium on April 6th in Peoria, Illinois. So if you're in the area, you should check it out, sign up, get registered. Uh, I think it's going to be an awesome conference. I'm really excited to speak to uh, this group. You know, it's always fun for me meeting new people and networking and um, uh, just just uh, continuing to, to spread our message and and. I just enjoy talking about that. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to Virginia, you at FDIC. And yes, I need a cardboard cutout of Carrie next to me. (laughs) You know, it's going to be just a little bit interesting presenting without you. You know, it's, um, I I just really enjoy having you next to me and and taking this journey with me and and the things that we've accomplished. And I'm, I'm really excited and just grateful, grateful for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I got a lot, I get a lot of self doubt and then, I'm always like, I can't do this without Kyle. I can't go to FDIC without Kyle. And then you'll text me something like, you need to send a cardboard cutout because I have to do this by myself. I'm like, okay, maybe Kyle's having some self-doubt too. So I don't feel so bad. (laughs) All righty. Well, let's wrap this one up until, until Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see you guys live and talk to you guys maybe next week if you're around. Sounds good. We'll see you then. We'll see you in Virginia. Bye-bye. As we wrap up another episode, this has been Kyle and Carrie from the Heat of Command podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please make sure to follow and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. And as always, we love the feedback. Keep it coming. See you next time.